Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to your usual bi-weekly dose of cult following. The Film and Film Culture Podcast brought to you by the fine folks who bring you cult classics AZ every month. See your favorite films up on the big screen at cult classics, cultclassicsaz.com. I am one of your three hosts for this edition. My name is Victor Marino, along with my two lovely vivacious co-hosts adam rakowski meow was uh and kirby nelson <laughs> check us out every every couple weeks here on cult following where we just talk about our favorite movies follow us on itunes cult following give us a subscription leave us a review let us know what you think and you can always check out our reviews of upcoming and catalog films at our website, cultfollowing.co. We're also screening a lot of awesome movies next month, including the AZ premiere of The Lost Arcade, a documentary about the film The Fighting Game Culture in New York City. We have The Wedding Singer on April 16th. And we have Johnny Mnemonic on April 29th. Lots of fun stuff. Find out about it at cultclassicsaz.com. Tickets at Z Records. So this edition, we're going to do something a little different. A little different, you'd say, right, Adam? Sure. We're going to spend our time dissecting one film for our main event. We're going to be talking about Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice. Thank you for saying it correctly. Yes. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, a movie that has shattered all records for comic book films worldwide, but in its wake has left a wide swath of critical backlash. Or a swab. Yes. Critical backlash that doesn't jive with the audience reaction to it. And that's been a topic of controversy. So we'll probably talk about that too. But as always, we're going to go through and what have we been watching this week? What have you been watching this week, Kirby? Mm, let's take a look here. The Oh, and by the way, I've given up my cup for just drinking right out of the whole bottle. I did notice that. Yeah, you don't have a cup. So I, I usually have my uh we're not we don't have any sponsors or anything. But if Starbucks wants to sponsor me, that'd be great. Starbucks iced coffee, lightly sweetened. That's a really big jug of coffee. Well it's what, forty eight yeah, forty eight fluid ounces. Yeah. Which is as big as that new Bubba tumbler I got yeah. for work. But I left it at work in my locker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I always just drink it. You know, I pour most of it into my tumbler anyways. So why not just... And Anne doesn't drink this. Yeah. I it, The few occasions I drink Starbucks, I, I drink the ice frappuccinos and the yeah. milk bottles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I like the milk bottles. Yeah. Anyhow. Sorry, I... I took away. No, that's all right. We, Did it give you time? We need to more kinda... sponsorship there, so oh. you can uh, both just uh, drool. Well, I will say <laughs> that Wedding Singer is also brought to you with special consideration by CeremoniesByCrystal.com. Get your geek weddings on. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's a thing now. They do. They have a company that does the. How long have they been doing that? Do you know. Uh, I think it's Erica's friend. She does geek weddings. Oh. Yeah. Is she a, a, a what are they what official 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 Yeah, Offici- ordained. Or, well, ordained, but what do they call it? A fish, officiator, maybe. I don't know. I'm ordained. Somebody I can do it. 
There you if go. If you need nerd wedding here, I have no business cards or fancy plan or even any real idea what the hell I'm doing, but discount I, price is available. I was ordained in 1992. Universal Life Universal Church. Universal Life Church. Yeah. There That's you go. In we, the, uh, we need to get you guys to do a was, double wedding live it was on, on the podcast. It was on the last hey, page of Mac- Maximum Rock and Roll, I think I got it. Did our first wedding proposal, did they get married yet? Not yet, soon. Oh, okay. I yeah. was just thinking. I was like... I think it's either later this year or next year. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I think remember. it's next year. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking back through my list here. Um, uh, I saw a few things. I did check out uh, uh, Ruby from Cult Classics. Did a review of it up on the site for Allegiant. Um, I did go see it. I was incredibly sick. So uh, with like a bad head cold and stuff. So it certainly didn't help. That was an absolutely terrible movie. Um, and my whole thing is that I actually liked, um, divergent enough. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what was the second one again? Urgent. Uh, insurgent. Insurgent. There we go. Some kind of gent, um, was okay. It wasn't great, but it, it felt like, wow, may, may they're on kind of like an arc. Um, no. but with the young adult stuff, I mean, cause I saw the fifth wave like a month or two ago, I remember discussing it. That was absolutely awful. And, um, you know, I don't know on the maze runner seems to be the only one I've seen recently that I thought was pretty good. Um, I'm just, I mean, I go see them. I just don't really care that much. And this one just felt the one thing I will say is that they they were talking about how much of a financial loss it is oh, and yeah. how much the production and I'm seeing her going it looks so it looked like Spy Kids like which was a film made 15 years earlier or so. Yeah, so, I was heard that this last one underperformed that they're going to cut the budget. Just well, what I mean is that, the, I mean they just the, the effects looked really awful. Well, like they I've, look like something like early 2000s maybe what it is with movies like this is they're kind of rushed to get into a certain date on the calendar so it's not so much that they oh, yeah, spent the money like every year yeah it's not so much that all the money was spent on effects it was money spent on rush jobs oh i'm sure because it movies like this especially when you watch the credits there's like 15 different companies doing the special effects and this movie is like all cgi pretty much yeah so, I don't know. It's just one of those ones, it feels weak across the board. And I've always known, I mean, it's like a lot of genres. It's going to be formulaic. It's going to get repetitive and boring. But, I mean, it really has hit a point where I'm like, this is just dumb. Well, one of the big problems I had with this movie is the way the last movie ends. You think you're heading right into, like, you know, the final arc or something. Like, okay, this character has been removed from power, and then they're going to go over the wall, and then... Literally, the movie starts with, like, five steps back where, okay, Naomi Watts kind of took over, and they're in the exact same spot they were in the last movie. Pretty much. Yeah. And then Which, the, in a the way, you prob- could imagine it would happen that way, but I don't know. The big issue I had with it, too, is I remember the way the, the last movie ends, there's a video playing that from the outside world, and the video, it's very clearly uh, Charlotte Gainsborough from, you know, Lars von Trier's uh, Antichrist and a lot of other recent, you know, she's a good indie actress, right? I'm like, oh, that's cool. Charlotte Gainsborough is going to be in the next one. She's not in this one at all. In fact, they never reference that video again. 
And then the leader of the outside world is actually Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. So it's kind of like, what just happened Which, here? when Jeff Daniels steps on screen, it full-on looks like to catch a predator <laughs> in the future. Like, it really does. I don't know why. He's just ultra creepy in this. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. So, anyways, not nothing, nothing good. Really, in the end, I just... Just don't like it, period. Mr. Was, Mr. Horse, I didn't e- seal of disapproval. I didn't even realize that this wasn't the last movie. No. Like, when it ended, I was like, wait, that ended on a cliffhanger, and apparently there's going to be another one next year called Ascendant. So I don't know if this is a law of di- ever-diminishing returns. Well, I'm sure in this case, what they do is, you know, they go on the <clears throat> classic Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Twilight Mold, and it's like, all right, if the last one, the second to last one does really good, then we'll divide the last one into two parts so we can really milk it. Yeah. And I'm sure this one is going to be just the last one after the the returns on uh, Allegiance. So, uh, speaking of less than quality pictures, I, for some reason, on a discount screening, caught uh, Zoolander 2. Oh, don't ask me why. I'm not even going to ask you about this movie. Yeah. Anyways, the, all I'll say is this, is I don't think, I mean, I remember the, I like the original Zoolander. I thought it was a funny movie. I genuinely did. Um, I thought I had some great bits and stuff. Um, and it's one of those ones where I do feel like it's a cult classic yeah. because people have literally forgotten it. And that's why I don't think anybody went and saw this one. But he, um, the big thing with this movie is, it literally is just a nonstop cameo reel. There is no real plot. So it's the, kind of like Entourage the movie? Kind of. Exa- okay. That's actually the very first thing I thought was, I'm like, this is basically Entourage as well. Um, it just keeps going on and on and on and on forever. And I just had no real real enjoyment or interest in it. The only part, I there's two parts I laughed at. One of them is, I will say is, I don't know if it's a direct nod or something, but there's a great Team America part. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll leave it as kind of the Valmorfication portion was was really funny, kind of kind of in the same vein. And then the, whoever plays the the leading like hipster kind of um, art uh, art house kind of guy, he's like the ultimate hipster dude. He I can't remember who the actor was. He plays it to the hilt. It's like the most Williamsburg thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. on screen. That isn't like some fucking hipster movie or show, like a uh, Harmony Corinne thing. All I can think now when I see movies where there's a character who's like an uber hipster is like, that's the modern equivalent to what um, Bronson Pinchot's character is in the Beverly Hills Cop movies. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> it, it, it It's just one of those ones where, I mean, that's the only really funny part and it's... And people always go, well, you know, you see like hipsters and stuff. I mean, I go, you know, if you're saying it in that tone, it's probably because you are one. And it's like, it's just the the trend hopping, basic bitch, white people culture. I mean, that's really what it is. There's nothing else to put it as that. And that he just nails it, basically. The mm-hmm. the actor does. But other than that, the rest of it, the other uh, one hour and twenty five minutes, I wish I could have back. It seems um, awfully long. Yeah, and I think they really jammed to even make it that. Um, and then the, uh, try to think of what else here. I'm a little bit surprised that that they actually released that theatrically. 
now with all the the whole trend with like Netflix picking up on yeah, I would sequels think. or redos or you know in the same universe type things. Yeah, I hear you. I think would I think it'd be better on Netflix. I would actually probably then watch it. I didn't see Zoolander, and the first time I saw it was maybe like a year ago. I never saw it before because I thought it just looked obnoxious. Yeah, and I was kind of right when I watched it. It's surprisingly funny though. Yeah, it's but it's really weird because at one point that Blu-ray for Zoolander went out of print, and for a while it was like going for like fifty, sixty bucks. Huh. Yeah. So clearly there was some kind of market for it. I I just think the original and stuff. I I, I find, and this is just it's been my experience is that when a film looks absolutely awful, there always is a one in ten chance for me that it's going to be something good. Because I thought Super Troopers looked like the dumbest movie I'd ever seen. The trailer, I was like, who the who the fuck would go see this? And then I was dating a girl at the time. We sat down and watched it. She's like, you have to see this. This is the funniest movie. And this also lends to the fact that straight-edge kids love stoner films. We yeah. just do. It's just our way. And um, the, uh, the uh, Super Troopers is great, old school. I also remember thinking that looks so stupid. Um, but they're, I mean, I know they're dumb and Zoolander is dumb too. It's mm-hmm. just, but there's something about it. There's a, there is an intelligence there. There's something smart as well as stupid. And I think that that has to do a lot with the whole, um, brat pack kind of comedy of the last 10, 15 years. Sure. I mean, but yeah. I, I'm just saying like after so many, what, when did the first one come out over a decade ago? 20, 2001. Yeah. Uh, so 15 years ago. Well, that's what I'm saying is, 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 you know, then why throw it on the big screen? I mean, why not do like the Netflix? Because I think it's not, I think it was a bigger film theatrically and in the aftermarket than something like Wet Hot American Summer. No, no, no. I don't think they should have done 15 years later, but I I would say the most. If it was closer in time, I would. I yeah, would oh, see that they should have done it in like 2006, and they would have yeah. had just the same kind of thing. I know, in fact, they well, really should have done it in 2006 with the whole like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan era. Well, yeah, because Paris Hilton is in the first Zoolander, and that's before she was even famous. And that's how old this movie is. It's like, who is this person? You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things in that movie that like re- really weirdly dated, like the obsession with everyone to have the smallest phone. Yeah. You know, now it's like, what? what is that even about, you know? Yeah. Now who has a bigger phone? Yeah, basically. Basically, when you see people. What else did you see? Well, let me finish that thought. Is that no, I, no, no. I swear to God, I think <laughs> I saw someone answer a tablet yesterday. It wasn't a phablet. I'm pretty sure they somehow bear down their tablet. They're just wow. using like the Bluetooth or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, seeing people still at conventions and concerts, taking pictures with the uh with their tablets is just the most awkward fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like it literally I see lots looks... of like tourists do that in strange. Yeah. Well they they do that at my work all the time. All the people that come in. Yeah. And take pictures and they're holding up their yeah, these big, you know, ten inch tablets or something. It's it's funny. Mm-hmm. And then uh speaking on Netflix and original series, it took me I don't know, what has it been, like six months, nine months? I finally finished Hemlock Grove season three, the final season of the series. And um, those who haven't seen it, based on a book produced by Eli Roth, um, kind of like a, almost in a little bit in the mold of like a paranormal romance kind of novel or something, like a Laurel K. Hamilton or something like that. 
but it's very um very dark and twisted it's got a lot of like science fiction elements a lot of cult elements um i love the first two seasons this one you can just tell they were just out of it's ideas. like a wrap-up it's like a wrap-up season and even by like the half bit you're just like what's like going how on true here? blood was I never even saw the end of it, but I imagine it would be because also apparently oh, yeah, one, no, of, just, one of the main the guys from Hemlock Grove is an allegiant, isn't isn't he? I think so. One of them is. I know it's yeah a, the one who's Jeff Daniels' assistant. Yes, I believe yeah. so. I'm trying to remember them all because it's um, it's he's uh, a Famke Jensen's son. Son, yeah, and it's uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Uh, Skarsgård, however you pronounce it. Yeah, his, his. I just like saying Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah, is in there, and his kid, and all these different ones. Yeah, they're all, you know, it's it's got it, and uh, it it was enjoyable. Still, the first few episodes, I really felt like ah. Yeah, they might do this outright, and then at the end, I'm like, God, you guys just rushed everything to try getting in. So, uh, I don't know. Still like the show. I do think that show is going to have a real cult following as years go on. Uh, uh, no pun intended. But I really do think that people are going to watch that the way that people watch a lot of... Um, I wouldn't say like anything like a Twin Peaks level or anything, but almost like a Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt without the horror anthology. I, but I do see people like it, maybe even like a an adult eerie Indiana, because it's kind of mm. about this weird apex of you know weird town. Um, but anyways, and then the last thing I saw was the worst film I think I've seen this year. I do not believe anything can top it, not even Zoolander 2, uh, which is I went to the Dollar Theater because I'm like, there's nothing playing. This is the only one, and it's the last show of its run there. Jane got her gun. Oh. And I'm going to sum it up the way I did. As soon as, it, as soon as I watched it, first thing I said, V is for vendetta, F is for failure. This is absolutely the worst movie I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, honestly, got to be one of the worst ones. I'm not even familiar. I think it, it's, it's on VOD. It's, it's a Natalie Portman yeah. Western. And the reason I saw it was because I never even watched the trailer. I just read the synopsis. And it sounded like kind of, you know, uh, not quite obviously like a bone tomahawk or the quality of an Unforgiven. But, you know, just a classic kind of gritty Western revenge thriller. Hmm. This And it made it sound like she was going to, you know, be the Billy Badass who was going to go out and take out all these these dudes or something that were hunting down her husband or try to kill her husband. And I was like... That's kind of cool, like a flip, and you know, it's I'm, starting to sound familiar. I yeah. maybe have seen the trailer for it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't even maybe that's a little too harsh to say. It's definitely the worst movie I've seen this year, but I mean, I don't know. It's definitely not the worst movie of all time or anything. It's just that you didn't I, get what you expected. Maybe it, not only did I not get what I expected, but I mean, it's just so boring. Mm. I think the only other film I was that bored with this year was The Forest, where I was like, could just end I now. I also watched that the other day. But I, I'll probably get the Blu-ray just to review it. Yeah, don't venture into the forest, please. <laughs> it's it's, I care. Um, it it's literally this movie. It just it just meanders, and and then it hits a bunch of like classic, kind of like not just. I mean, westerns are obviously like one of the most common, um, you know, film types and settings. I mean, not obviously anymore like the real western. But everything else, mostly in sci-fi especially, is a, an, a Western in space or a Western in the future. Mm-hmm. Just the way of it. That's always the way it is. Or that or it's the samurai. 
kind of uh, template. So, right. which is also based on, you know, Western. So mythology. would it would it have been better if there were samurais in it? Probably, lots of samurais. Uh, anything. It could have been Wild Wild West. It could have gone full steampunk. It could have gone cowboys versus aliens. Mm-hmm. That's how shitty it could have gotten it. It still would have been better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Liam Neeson could have been thrown in, but they already put him in a million ways to die in the West, so he was unavailable. Yeah. He's, at he's this, in moratorium on Westerns for at this a little time. while. Yeah. So yeah, I I just if you want to suffer, enjoy. But I think that's really about it. So I know you guys want to get into one uh, big Netflix series here, keeping with that theme. What? Who's next? You go next. Oh, I only saw two things over the last uh-huh. few weeks. Other than the yeah, big that's main, what I'm leading you into. Main thingies, boobers. Uh, the Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. Was an absolute delight. I liked it so much. It was um, so good. It's like you know, you, I don't think they could have done it any better. I don't, but I do believe they could have done it a lot worse. It could have. It was either going to be a dull thud. And like a like the big top peewee, which yeah. is sufferable to watch. I I don't. Some re- people really like it, but I mean, I'm, I just I, I don't can't really watch like it. it. I know, I know. Like, I think Ruby likes it. But I can't sit through it. Yeah. Um. But th- this one, it it feels pretty understated, but it has such golden happy moments mm-hmm. and very peewee moments that by the end of it, you're just smiling. Yeah. So I was. And he has not aged even, I don't, you know, even if they tried to put as much pancake makeup no, on him. No, what they did, they did the digital de-aging thing like they did on Patrick Stewart in X2. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They I did mean, a good really, job. It's not really noticeable. No, you don't. I didn't notice yeah. it. Uh, he definitely looked older in Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer, which was like one year after his fall from Grace. Mm-hmm. Boy. So. Well, I... Yeah, I don't know if I—I I don't remember the last thing that I've actually seen him pop up in. I saw he was in a—I saw the trailer for his thing on Gotham, and he looks much older. In oh that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 he did do a little cameo in that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Was he uh, uh, Copper Potts' yeah. parents again? Dad? Yeah. Um, no, I thought the—I thought the premise was sweet. Um, I think they were smart to like follow that Pee Wee's Big Adventure kind of structure. Yeah. Because it gave him a lot of people to interact with, and it, and I know it's not a, a popular opinion, but it, it it also reminded me how they structured it in a way that was nostalgic, in the same way that uh, the Force Awakens did with you know A New Hope and Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Brought in that that familiar tone, the feel. They yeah. recognized what was good about um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, and it's it's hard because sometimes you can really screw that up. Like Superman Returns, I think, is a big example of how that doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. it, it could have really lost its, and then I was kind of almost waiting for that too. It's like yeah. when is this just going to go really south? Mm-hmm. But it never did. It it kept up from to the very end, and they kept you know reoccurring the characters throughout the uh, story, which was great, and even brought back some people from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, which was very very delightful to see. I think one of the things that, because I re, I did a review of it on a cult following that was smart is the guy who directed it is the guy who um, wrote and directed uh, most of the episodes of Wonder Shows in 
this show on Cartoon mm-hmm. Network or Adult Swim that basically like makes fun of like these like PBS kids shows from the seventies. Like it's really subversive. I've never watched that. Yeah, you can. It's really funny and weird. But um, the smart thing is, you get somebody like that, they kind of understand the sensibility of what they're making fun of. Oh sure. So when you hone that the other way, it just it makes it a lot more sentimental. And well, and because it was. It reminded me a lot of, of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You really saw the difference in in uh, directing, where you saw, or you it kind of lacked the 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 brilliance, or maybe the odd eye of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either that, or maybe they just didn't have as much time to make the Netflix show yeah. as they did to make you know a big feature of like, oh, let's put the camera mm-hmm. here, let's do these kind of interesting angles. Um, that's maybe my only complaint yeah. is it didn't have enough Burton esque to it, mm-hmm. but it didn't need it. Yeah, because all the performances were great, all the little vignettes were fantastic. Yeah, and I did. I did like good. some of like the little nods. Like there's a part during the like the be- the, the beginning where he drives through this house to, mm-hmm. to win his little car to get breakfast, and it's yeah. actually the house that was his house in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> was yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I yeah. probably missed as well, but uh, the yeah, it was it's just a nice little piece, and I'd mm-hmm. watch it again if you know nothing else was on, or just wanted to refresh my memory or pick out those little Easter eggs because now that's just you know everything has Easter eggs yeah. these days, and especially if you're gonna you know harken back to something that was oh how old is that movie now over thirty years thirty years yeah it's gonna be thirty because it was at eighty this year seven eighty five eighty five wow. Yeah. Uh, and I watched um, season two of Daredevil mm-hmm. without finishing season one of Daredevil. Really? I the, la- the very last episode of Daredevil season one is good. Living dangerously. Yeah. Uh, I it, don't know. It just, I didn't get, it didn't uh, have enough momentum to me and I just uh, didn't finish it. I do think this season of Daredevil was much better than the first one. I did like the second season. It took a little while for it to kind of launch and then get really invested in it. Um, I would say probably once, uh, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but once Elektra shows up. Yeah. I I, I like, well, they kind of played everything in three parts. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of following three or four different stories all at the same time. Yeah. I said, well, I was saying to myself, well, this is going to get all muddied up and overlapping, mm-hmm. but they took enough time with, with each individual, I thought successfully and would without changing, um, the, the pace. Yeah. You, you understood what was going on. There were a couple things with the Punisher that just kind of seemed like it's going on a little I too long felt, yeah like the punisher storyline dragged like yeah. way too long right and then by the time like they got to his conclusion with like his commanding officer yeah. i like i was like wait what's going on here oh right the thing like, that del- it drags so long you forgot about yeah that storyline story yeah but you, you didn't have to be refreshed so much about it because it it everything plays into each other and every uh, you know all the different story arcs kind of you know point in all those different directions uh i thought for the first part of it that that foggy was Mm -hmm. like the um standout yeah this season um where i thought he was kind of annoying in the first season 
Mm-hmm. I wasn't really happy when he would kind of come out in the front, but he really proved they himself. They gave in him the an seat. actual storyline that had nothing to yeah. do with Matt, which I think was good because basically season one, he was like the guy who nags Daredevil. Right. You know, and I think that was a smart choice. They also gave, um, they gave Karen a much bigger role yeah. that I feel was primarily because they killed off a character in season one and realized that was a mistake mm. and had to assign a lot of his material to her. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I kind of think they ran out of budget when it got to the storyline with the hand. Okay. Um, but for the most part, one of the smarter decisions I thought they made was tying it a lot closer to Jessica Jones. Oh, right, yeah, because they, they mentioned her a couple yeah, times. Yeah, and then, like, Carrie Ann Moss's character and, her and a lot of the the district attorney from the that was throughout this show is also on Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. So I think they realized that's our shining jewel. We might as well build yep. around that. Yeah, and you mentioned the hand. That was one of the things that made me really happy. There's not enough. There, there are not enough ninjas. Yeah. On television, and and I thought it was just going to be an afterthought, mm-hmm. or just kind of uh, uh, like a throwaway, um, single episode sort of thing. I didn't know it was going to carry on. Yeah. Through the rest of the second season. Well, the, yeah, the best episode in the latter half of season one was the one with um, the hand ninja. Who's in this? Yeah, and that's what I—that's what I missed. But I, and I kind of uh, picked up that something happened to that guy. That's why he was surprised to see that guy again. Yeah. In like the later half of the second season, and everybody's like, "What's in the box? What's in the box?" Yeah. No, but it was good. It was good. Uh, like I said, um, I I think they should have gone to the Punisher stuff way sooner, but. I think overall they did. A, I think, sorry about that. I think John Bernthal did a very good job playing the Punisher. Yeah, they just gave him too many words. I think yeah. he had too many like, um, monologues. Yeah, the, and stuff. the trial thing was long. But I'm saying like, I like the trial. I'm saying when they're on the rooftops, like in the first few episodes, and he's oh, just droning on yeah, and on, they're, and they're, they're talking having to a each philosophical other. argument. Yeah, I, I had to actually out. rewatch those episodes because I tuned out too yeah. much. I liked how he played him as sort of this uh, Travis Bickle kind of oh, sure. yeah, character. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was an interesting take, much much different than I've seen yeah. before. And then yeah, his um, I guess the whole thing in prison is a thing that I've I've been waiting for for so many years, and I thought they did. It wasn't true to the to the uh, um, the miniseries, comic book miniseries, but uh, it was so satisfying. Yeah. They did hit on some things that it's like, ah, oh, yeah, they've they've read their source material. So I was, I, I was happy that. just to see Vincent D'Onofrio showed up. Yeah, because it was at a point where I thought it was dragging. I'm like, oh, thank God. I liked I liked how they they kind of backed it up a bit to where, um, you know, they put him into prison mm-hmm. and how he was adjusting, and you know, the lifestyle. Even though it was just it was just a minuscule little amount, you know, they didn't go deep deep into it. Yeah. But just how he felt defeated. And then what was he gonna do, you know, and how was he going to, you know, pick himself back? Well, up? I think because one of the issues that a lot of people had in season one, it's it got to the end and you're like, I kinda think Kingpin is the hero. Oh. 
that's that's how I felt a lot of season one. It's like we'll I have to go back. And yeah, watch rewatch it, it and, and there's a very we'll much watch it for the first tragic time. downfall of the kingpin. Because I didn't even get to the <laughs> point that the kingpin was in season one. That's how that's how early I stopped. Yeah, in season one, but just Vincent D'Onofrio's like brilliant perform. I mean his. Uh, he was so he's so good as Kingpin, yeah. That it makes me want to watch the first season. I had actually thought about <clears throat> I haven't watched the second season, but I had actually thought about doing kind of the game plan. You went just charge ahead, and it's like I know enough about Daredevil. You I'll, yeah. you I'll fill in. It. I'll fill in the blank. Like, yeah. But I, I no, no, I, no. I definitely know it's it's totally possible. It's one of those things where the one I was excited about actually was John Barenthal because after. Um, you know, everyone of course is gonna say like Walking Dead, but after uh, was it uh, Sicario? I'm like, dude, you are just a professional asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like you are really, really good at this. Oh, he is really good in Fury yeah. too. Yes, I was actually gonna say I that. haven't yeah. seen Which is funny. Fury, but I've seen Sicario. That actually was gonna bring up too because I was trying to think. I was like, where else did I see him be a told dick? Um, yeah. but in that one, it's funny because he balances it just kind of like he did in Walking Dead, um, with the character Shane, which is where it's like, yeah, yeah, he's you know kind of a monster but so is everybody like war like especially world war ii made a lot of people into that as well right a lot of conflicts and stuff and that kind of lends itself to the punisher and even in uh sicario it's like the same same mm-hmm. kind of situation mm-hmm. yeah no and he did a great i mean real heavy new york accent yeah what do you call it like a brooklyn accent like you know street streetwise brooklyn accent yeah without it being just you know complete mushy or, which of course is the best or uh uh i guess a, a comedic where it sounds like like a over caricature. the top yeah character that's yeah, you know, yeah. like you know joe pesci or something <laughs> it could i mean sometimes when you hear you know that rich of a uh an accent who could have got we could have 80 yard my cousin Vinny right in there and then well, i'm sure if we youtube there somebody's probably done, <laughs> done it's it like rule 42 you know yeah the um which I will say, though, is the only other thing that I have an input into that one is that John Barenthal is also one of the nicest people I've ever met, period, like, at any convention of anything. Like, super nice guy. And everything I hear from from everything else he does. So I guess that's sometimes how it works. I think if you're a really, really good person, I don't know, you can just play into that well. Yeah, I've heard that about actors that get um, uh, typecast into playing, like, just the most vicious, evil people they tend to be like the nicest people mm-hmm. in the whole world yeah there's always exceptions to that of course so don't go running up and hugging you know your favorite serial killers there or you something because you never know uncle charlie come on <laughs> uh, that's any? that's the only two things that i've really oh, watched other than uh BVS. i watched allegiant i watched DOJ. daredevil season two i watched uh pb's big holiday um they started doing new episodes of i zombie i very highly recommend that show. It just gets better and better. This last week's episode, I'm just like, ah, God, like, you know, I, I feel it's weird because I don't think CW has a lot of faith in that show. And I just think it's so good. Like when it came out on home video, it came out on DVD and not Blu-ray. Huh. Which is super weird to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. All right. You, you're, but it's good. So I would say people check out eye zombie you know, it it's just as good as like Arrow or Flash. Mm-hmm. Better, I think. Um, just on that tip, um, you know, you were just saying you were gonna watch Daredevil and just go into season two. That's what I tell people who watch Arrow, just skip season one altogether. Season one of Arrow is terrible. 
and really you don't need to watch it at all. I watched season, started watching season one of Arrow. I made a few episodes in, and the thing I felt most was I was watching Lost again. Yeah, it it kind of not because of the island thing, but just because yeah. of the feeling. Yeah, the it's it hews way too closely to the, that flashback modern structure, and it's only towards the end of the season that it just kind of finds its way and kind of ditches that because it's really belaboring the point a lot. Hmm. Um. I watched uh, this one horror movie on video on demand called Emily. Um, That was really interesting. Uh, It has Sarah Bolger from... um, She was on the Tudors as uh, John Rice Davies' daughter, Catholic daughter. Um, She's also in uh, this Mary Heron horror movie. I think it's called The Moth Diaries, if I remember right. It's not the Mothman prophecy. I think it's the Moth Diaries, where uh, the the girl from uh, Imponima. No, uh, what's that? The last Heath Ledger movie, The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yes. Uh, the girl who is part of the circus, she plays a vampire in the Moth Diaries, hmm. and it's directed by the same lady who directed American Psycho. Oh. So it's a, it's a good movie, but this one is like. Um, it reminded me a lot of like Halloween for some reason. Um, it starts off with like there's this girl who's like a babysitter and somebody stops by and asks her directions and just kidnaps her. But it's shot like kind of that wide through the trees kind of lens. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot like I, I would say like Halloween and sort of like inside and in the strangers. So then this other girl just kind of takes her place and starts babysitting for this family. Because she's trying to find a child to replace the one she lost. Oh, it's really freaky. It's it's and she it's Sarah Bolger does a really good job. So I would say if you're gonna look for a freaky kind of this isn't the movie where she torments the kids, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, is this it? Yeah, I did see the trailer and I was kind of like I didn't know that was the whole story. So I guess a little bit of a spoiler. That, oh, no, the trailer no. to me the, didn't indicate The trailer about... doesn't tell you anything. That's what I'm trying to sell yeah. it a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, like this thing I'm talking about, the kidnapping happens literally in the first minute of the movie. Oh, okay. So if you do the two-minute preview, you'll see it. Yeah, because I saw that trailer, and I was like, that's a really original idea. And with horror movies, I rarely say yeah, that anymore. Yeah, it's, it's really freaky. And I was like, man, this is, like, I'm going to do a review of it this, hopefully this week before I head off for Days of the Dead. But, um, yeah, it's a good movie. I liked it a lot. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, that, uh, that's pretty much it. The only other thing I've seen this week is Batman versus V Superman Dawn of Justice, which I've seen twice already. Twice? Yes. Okay, so you want to introduce a segment? You can introduce a segment. I don't have to introduce them. Oh, so now it's time for Batman v Superman. Dawn, Dawn of Justice. Of justice. Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Victoria Justice. <laughs> we need that. Do it in your Batman voice. Electric Adam. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes. All I could think of was when that thing when it first came on screen. I was like, oh, God. I wish that. I hope someone does like a Ned South Park mashup of this. Like. Oh, I can go in post and then, like, you know, <laughs> do some pitch shift yeah, on the voices go. for the entire rest of the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I kind of felt like being the dick just. You know, uh, of course, like yelling out something, and it would have had to have been, Where's the Joker? 
but you know there was enough um uh annoying interjections at the screen that that was completely unnecessary uh, not that it wasn't to begin with but um yeah i saw it with a pretty rowdy crowd i'll say that oh, where'd boy. you go uh, do I really need to say? I mean, uh, I'm assuming it's Tempe Marketplace. Oh, no. Harkins, Christown, all oh, the way, Jesus, baby. Yeah. You know you got to go. You get the, the commentary for free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, the, you um, mentioned that. that well, like, actually, you know, it was a better, you know, it was actually probably a better audience than the was one. Was that Easter it? afternoon? Yeah, that was Easter afternoon. Okay. So, yeah, everybody was looking to go out and You know what, though? I'll be totally honest, though. I had a babysit? better experience watching Batman v Superman at Harkins Christown than I did seeing The Witch at Tempe Marketplace. Interesting. Which was a, I mean, just absolutely the most annoying crowd for like the quietest it's movie. It's kind of oh, funny. Sure. Like most of the movies I've liked this year have ended up being wildly divisive. You know, The Witch and Batman are both, like people either really like them or like totally hate it. So what's the verdict? I mean, I really liked well, it. Well, yeah, the Victor had his review up like the day after you saw it. Yeah, first well, time. Yeah, that was you know because we got to go to press screening the press and the screening. embargo ended like the next day at three p.m. Yeah, and so. you had it up by five. Uh, I, I had extremely low expectations. I mean, the lowest of low. I did. I really despised Man of Steel. I can't. It to me, it's like the the Transformers of the DC universe. Uh, I can't, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't get all the way through it. I'd fall asleep. Man of Steel is just a piece of crap movie. So to see Batman V Superman, I, I loved the, I loved the era of the, the Batman and Superman uh, going at it and beating the crap out of each other. And um, I'm a huge fan of the Dark Knight Returns series of Frank Miller stuff. So I was, I was really on the fence and like nobody can really, you know, pull this off and they already did the animated Dark Knight Returns which I liked a lot. Which I really liked a lot. Um but story-wise I always liked how uh Batman and Superman, you know, they both knew who they were. Uh they they you know, fought crime together, you know, at at the during the same time. So they were they were rival frenemies, I guess, but still, you know, when they got older uh, they just, you know, they were both kind of retired and not really doing much. And I like that story arc. And then they start, you know, beating the crap out of each other. And I like that part of it too, because they're like just old men beating the crap out of each other. Ben Affleck is my age. So to see him play like the, the jaded older Batman doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. I guess if I was a lot younger, like in my teens and looking at Ben Affleck, yeah, I'd say, oh God, he's old. Yeah. Or I don't even think like Mark Hamill is all that old either. Uh, but then to put in we perspective go that he's movie old, you yeah. know, this is the same Hollywood where 28 year olds are too yeah. old to play love interest for 30 year olds. Right. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're 50 year olds. And um, I always think of the Hollywood age scale as that girl from uh, 90210 who was like 40 and played 18. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah that always, that was that's always my metric on the uh, Hollywood <laughs> age scale forever. Like that's the most amazing um, yeah, I always thought she was a uh, um, uh, what are they drugs um, an informant. Yeah, but what's the right word for it? What do they call it in in like a narc? A narc. A narc. Yeah, yeah, I always thought she was a narc. I never trusted her because she just didn't fit the part age wise. Uh, so I yeah I wasn't even gonna I wasn't even gonna see this movie and uh, I 
saw it and I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I had such low expectations. Um, I was I uh, over the last week I was listening to every single podcast that I could and YouTube podcasts that I could of people just railing on this movie all week long and the spoilers and everything. So I knew everything that was going to happen in the movie. Which I really thought it. was messed up. I, this is why I'm glad I saw it so early. Because I... You, I could oh, and by see, the way, we're going to talk about spoilers. Yeah. Because I saw all these cameos and it was like, oh, wow, that's really clever, you know. Or, oh, so-and-so is in this movie. I can dig that, you know. But when I started seeing the negative reviews, and I like, here's where one of the things that kind of bothered me about it, and it really shouldn't bother me, I guess, I suppose, because people are entitled to their own subjective opinion. But, like, uh, Devin Fraci from Birth Movies Death just, like, went off on a rail on this Yeah, movie. and I read that one, yeah. Like, they've posted, like, 15 articles about why this is the worst abomination known to man and it's not it's 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 really funny because i read the very first article and that's when i kind of was like oh because he was just interpreting things like wrong and i think it, it does it probably helps me that like you know i have a lot of i you know i basically grew up in a comic shop uh you know in in torrance and you know i'm like a huge like Jack Kirby, Fourth World Saga nerd. Like, if you ask me anything about like Dark Side and you know New Genesis and Apocalypse, I can tell you all that stuff. Like, wrote I, you know. So when I was watching this movie and like, oh, holy fuck, that's a mother box, or you know, this whole thing just it makes a lot of sense if you read a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have problems with this movie too because it's not very connect the dots because they they took a half hour out of this movie, right? And there's a lot of things that it just kind of trusts you to kind of know. Like, there's not a scene in this movie where, like, or I'm sorry for going like so much. There's not a <laughs> scene in this movie where Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent actively reveal their identities to each other. You just take it for granted that people in their positions would have the intelligence or research acumen to figure this out. You know, you know what I liked is. Because the whole thing with Clark Kent like wearing his glasses and then not wearing his glasses and all of a sudden he's Superman and how come people can't figure it out? Yeah, they. I think they were conscious of that in in the film because if you if you watch any of the news footage or anybody with their iPhones capturing Superman, it's very it's always blurry. From a, it's very blurry. Yeah, yeah. It's from like a really far distance. Like they don't have like a good like even on the the covers of like the Daily Planet and yeah. stuff. It they don't really have a picture of Superman like. Here's his face, yeah, kind of thing. Which is, yeah, and that was interesting because I noted that because when you see the original Christopher Reeve films, they're all like, oh yeah, no, he's front and center, yeah. yeah. And one of the things I think is interesting is in this movie, you never once get you Perry White's looking at Clark Kent. He knows that Clark Kent is Superman, um, especially towards the end where you know Lois Lane asks for a chopper, and he's like, I. So like no, get down there, and Superman's probably down there. It's like no, I need it for me, and then he just kind of. Well, yeah. How could he not put the yeah put it together? Well, that, that's you know, one of the things that bothered me about the Dark Knight Rises that somehow Gordon had never figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Like that really annoyed me on a lot of levels. Financially, that bothered me. Who the hell else owns all this stuff? I mean, that was the whole thing in the yeah. Dark Knight. I'm like, well, yeah, you don't think anybody minding the store 
wouldn't notice where all these billions of dollars, probably trillions, were being allocated. Yeah. I mean, I, somebody would have been the whistleblower, like a yeah. literal whistleblower, not like, I'm going to expose you, Batman. It's going to be like, you know, sir, I, I really am looking at these numbers and something <laughs> just not adding up, literally. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing that I was... There were a lot of questions that I had about, not necessarily about the movie, but almost kind of the whole backstory of like Batman and and Superman and all the movies that that culminated up to this point even though it's not part of the the canon that this is you know based off of but mm. if there was really a Batman you know in the real real world and spending that kind of money and doing the things that he does and and how much he, he just gets beat up and broken I don't think he would last more than a year yeah before he would say okay I'm done you know, there's like nothing more that I can do because I can barely move. I guess he kind of did that with the Christian Bale and what was it like his knee or something like that? Yeah. They put a brace on him for what, 20 minutes well, one and of then the all of a sudden it was really gone. interesting is if you watch the Mark David Johnson Daredevil movie where Ben Affleck plays Daredevil, mm -hmm. there's a scene where he's like tending his back and he has all these scars and everything. Mm -hmm. That scene is lifted directly from an Alex Ross painting of Batman. But you don't really see that in this movie so mm -hmm. much. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those ones where, I mean, I am I grew up a comic book aficionado as well. Not to the degree of and, and depth of knowledge that Victor had. Especially because DC was not my preference. I was yeah. always more of a Marvel. But the, what DC lured me in was, was Vertigo. I thought Vertigo yeah, was yeah. amazing. They and um, good stuff. And so... But that was also when I was getting older and my tastes were maturing beyond superheroes. And that's, in the end, when I go see, I have brought up on this podcast, anyone knows me, I'm not a big fan of superhero movies. So I go up with extremely low expectations now. Yeah. It's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. And with this one I did, uh, probably, uh, I wouldn't say the lowest of the low. It's not like Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's at the... the that's depth. the basement. That's the basement. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Here we are at the Wayne Mansion, at least. Um, no, I, I mean, I really... A, the number one complaint I've heard, and I don't read any of this stuff. I mean, I don't listen to anything. I listen to a couple other podcasts and, and things like that that are not youtube related. I mean, just actual podcasts. And most of them are not talking. They're mostly horror, so they're not talking about Batman v Superman. But I will say this. This is that everything I've heard is... Man, they threw way too many characters in this. And that's actually one of the first things I'll defend is I don't think they threw in anything. I think they did it perfectly oh, yeah. measured as opposed to it really is a focus on Batman, Superman, Lex Luthor. And, yes, they introduce Wonder Woman at the end at the actual right time. Yeah. And all the other buildup instead of trying to – I mean, I remember the one – and I will say this to anyone who doesn't know, there is no stinger. You know what I mean? No. Like it is like every other Marvel film where Nick Fury appears at the end or they have some kind of element of that. It's like, you know, this just goes straight because it you know what in the movie what they're saying up. That yeah. not only is it the Justice League, but more importantly, like you, you get an idea of what the characters are going to look like and, you know, where, what's going to happen. It's going to become like a... a it's kind of like a mutant registration act kind of thing. They're being hunted, yeah. You know, for for their powers and stuff. The only disappointing thing is, I will say, when you saw Aquaman, I really, really wish they had gotten the dude from Entourage and did a total oh, Deadpool yeah, yeah. moment. I would have pissed myself <laughs> laughing if he had come out of that cave. I would have just about died. But 
everybody else, it looked really good. It's it, um, I visually and stuff. Zack Snyder, I like his stuff. I mean, people go, he's the Michael Bay of of you know now of the DC universe and of general and stuff. And it's like I'm not a huge man Man of Steel fan. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. My whole thing with that is is that, and that was where I started when this movie started. It has the classic Batman origin yeah. portion with Bruce and his Which parents. is right from the Dark Knight Returns, yeah. right down to the scene with the pearls. Pearls, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And originally, I was like, well, they kept it short and sweet in the credits, and it worked. And if it didn't have such good reference flashbacks, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a wasted opportunity. Um, and this one has a lot of dream sequences and flashbacks, if anybody doesn't know. But none of them feel um, out of place at no. all. Well, that's the thing. Like, I was talking to someone, and then they were complaining about the scene in the in the beginning of the film where the bats are lifting Bruce up. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's so stupid. That wouldn't be in the comics. I'm like, dude, read The Dark Knight Returns. That's directly from the comic, you know? It's it's a dream that Bruce Wayne has. Yep. And and this is one of the things I think is happening as time goes on is people have this idea of oh, this is from the comic because they've sort of seen a YouTube video about it mm-hmm. or like a Wikipedia article. But for the most part, I think this did a good job of taking a lot of different elements from com- from different comics and putting them together. And I think in the review I wrote, I I said one of the strengths that Zack Snyder has is he's directed so many comic book movies that are dense. Like he directed Watchmen, which I still think is I, I would consider his Watchmen like a great failure in the sense that I don't really think you can adapt that comic because too much time has gone by. Sure. You know, the Cold War, there's just too much going on there. But that, that that comic is dense as fuck. And you have to really... It's dealing with comic archetypes. It's dealing with interpersonal uh, characters. And the fact that the Charleston character... The characters they use are representing multiple different characters. Like Rorschach is supposed to be um, the question who's supposed to be the Batman. You know, so at a certain point you're seeing this character down to the nth degree, like Dr. Manhattan is clearly a waypoint that he uses in these movies as like a reference for Superman. Right. Because if you watch the Dr. Manhattan sequences in Watchmen, the movie, they're very similar to the talk, you know, the talking heads talking about, Superman and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice like what does this character represent this character is omnipotent what could he do to us you know and I think a lot of people had issues with like well why doesn't Superman speak more for himself and I think Superman is a character that does more by acting than by talking about himself yeah he doesn't they they set it up yeah where he didn't uh he didn't he didn't relate to the people on earth yeah. It's like I'm I'm trying to do all this really good stuff for you people, mm-hmm. and you're not really understanding. You know, my heart is you know what what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, uh, and there are going to be missteps, and I think that setup at the very beginning, seeing the um, the Superman versus Zod fight. Yeah, from Bruce Wayne's point of view, which was really powerful. Yeah, which I was thought. a really good decision. Yeah. Uh, 
you know brought that to the forefront. Now I I will say this there this it's it's probably not a movie that I'll I'll need to see again or own. Maybe I might see it again mm-hmm. once they start you know coming out with the other movies. It does have its its fallacies. I would say that they they kept hitting over the head that. Oh well, at least it's past five p.m. and there's nobody oh, yeah. they downtown. They say like five different times that the areas they're fighting are deserted. Yeah, are deserted because yeah. the, the the whole thing in Man of Steel when he's just you know they're slamming through the buildings, yeah. thinking oh you know he just killed a hundred thousand people in one swipe. You yeah, know? it's like is that really Superman? Well, what's also like I mean Metropolis is the is analogous to New York City, right. a yeah. city that never sleeps. That literally never stops moving. It's a living entity. Yeah, right. There's no area of New York that is ever. Oh yeah. Not busy. Not that having was tons one of, of the people. issues. I was it's not ha- New Jersey. New yeah. Jersey is actually the most dense, densely populated area in the entire United yeah. States. But it is. I mean, it's just now. If it had been upstate New York, hey, maybe different story there. But it's just ludicrous. I mean. But that's the big thing, too, is is that I felt I 100% agree with that. I was like, oh, come on. And that's what I was trying to say. It's trying to over, overcompensate for an issue they did in Man of Steel. Deal. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But that's also, I feel like in movies, there are way, way too much hand-holding right yeah. now and too much explanation. And it's like, it's not only a fantasy, but it's kind of like, I, I felt like you already you already showed the, the true blue, like, 9-11 um, imagery, and that's what you see through Bruce Wayne's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why can't everything? I, I just, I guess that's why I was, and I tried to bring this up when I had my discussion about the Force Awakens and some of the issues I have with that. Is I felt there's way too much handholding going on, yeah. literally, like where it's like, oh look, it's it's a strong, um, you know, female character, strong minority character. And it's like I already see that when I watch it. It's I don't need any more handholding in movies. That's what made them good was is is that you just identify with that character because you like them or you hate them, mm-hmm. not who they are. And it's like and if people find some strength or, you know, um, uh, feel, uh, you know, an importance or a power or an identity with that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just don't want the film to say it out loud. Yeah. I want the film to show it instead of saying it. And I just feel like because like, uh, you know, in the end with um, uh Ray in the scene in the the snow forest, you know, at the the eight, the climax of the movie, I was like, man, if you're not with her at the end, I mean, then you weren't paying attention yeah. the whole movie, and that's the hero. And that's and that's why I thought Batman uh, versus Superman v Superman did really well. Was is that you find that you don't really identify with either of them. Right. You don't identify with anybody in the end. You just realize things are just going to get worse and worse. Well, and I, that's the realistic world. Like that's what would happen. I think my take on it, at least, was you see the arc happen with Batman sort of in reverse, where he starts off pretty much having become the sort of person he would have hunted down when he started off with, Mm -hmm. towards seeing Superman as something more of a goal to aspire to and going back to kind of being the Batman of old. Because when this movie starts off, you're seeing Batman has basically realized if he brands these these worst of the worst criminals, they'll be killed in prison. Right. You know, and then what happens is there's a, he, there's a point in the film where Batman is shown a vision of the future, mm-hmm. 
much later where he's just beyond that and he's just straight up killing people. Yeah. So he's seeing that down the line he's just gonna become that worst version of himself. And while he's yeah, he still kinda does in the that real universe. I don't think so because I was keeping track of it the second time. Um by the time he rescues Martha Kent, he's not really he's going back to using batarangs. He used a concussion grenade on two guys and he does hit a gas main that does blow up the room where KG Beast is in. So you could say, like, it's sort of like Batman Begins where he lets Rachel Ghoul die, but he's not actively trying to, like, maim or kill people at that point. He's just trying to rescue Martha Kent. But he's in his Batwing and there's, like, guns and he's, like, shooting all the guys that are shooting at him. No, no, no. That doesn't actually happen. You're thinking of the Batmobile sequence before that. No, there's, no, a, no. there's a scene where he goes to the warehouse and he's shooting down. They have, like, Gatling yeah, guns. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he actually shoots. But that's my, my thing is is that that is, brings up the other biggest complaint I've heard on every mm-hmm. podcast or from every exit poll or from everything is, like, the rules of Batman or the rules of complex, which comes up every time. They can't do this. They should do this. Yeah, and, it's like, and that's a subjective thing, thing too. And yeah, that's no, because exactly. if you realize, it bother me, really. Yeah, because if you realize in Batman, Batman Returns, he's using machine guns on the Batwing and the Batmobile in those movies, mm-hmm. but no one ever complains about that. You know, well, because it's well, yeah, he's not actually like gun. He's he's not know, gunning people down. Yeah. He's just using them as like a deterrent or, you know, a stopping power. Yeah. But no, I didn't have an issue with him, you know, uh, uh, doing some really nasty things to people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up to, you know, killing them. Well, in the scene, too. It's the- kind of the things like, you know, like you said, I, I just wanted to get over like those those stupid rules that people are just like. Yeah. I don't well, know. I think people it, this is one of those things where like um, certain films people complain about. Because in their mind, they have an idea of how they should be. Well, it's course. like in the 2000s when Paul W.S. Anderson was doing all the Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, he's the worst director ever because he's not doing it exactly like the game. And then it just became this giant franchise that had nothing to do with the games at all. So you just anytime he had a new movie, well, here's the latest monstrosity. Well, well and guess what that is fueling? What? Conversation. Yeah. We're 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 marketing Batman v well, Superman I right now. I think that's what happened. Promoting with, like it. the amount of critical backlash, people like were like, "Well, I need to see this." If this that's is, what I did, yeah, you know. But I think at the same time, there were issues with like I I don't. If you're reviewing a movie and you don't like it, there's smart ways of doing that. You know, just say if this is the kind of movie. It almost seemed like a challenge when they were saying, "Well, how how low do you think the rotten score will be?" Yeah. Didn't it seem like just the media was just... Yeah, it was really like, funny. Who gives a sh- it, well, they, they right. got, the biggest one I saw was it has the same Rotten Tomato score as The Room. The room. And yeah. I'm sitting here going like... And your point yeah. is, like, what who cares? Because- it got to the point where I was seeing it, but they were cutting in half because Rotten Tomato aggregation scores say the critical score, and then right next to us is audience reaction. Right, yeah. No, they so can't. when it was at 35%, the audience reaction was actually like at 85 well, yeah, I mean, it got a cinema score of a B, yeah. and it's like, and you know, that's actually feel. I feel where it is. I don't, I don't consider it this average to below average product, and I don't consider it the pinnacle. No, of filmmaking, it's just a solid movie, and, and that to me, it, in of itself, is a huge goal considering how many balls this movie has to juggle. You yeah. have to like introduce Batman. 
you have to fix the damage from uh, Man of Steel, you have to introduce Wonder Woman, and you have to lay all the groundwork for a future DC expanded universe. Well, and you know, you know who I liked that a lot of people were panning Jesse mm-hmm. Eisenberg. I actually I really, really liked, liked how they went with his character. Uh, I saw Birth Movies Death did a whole thing where they were going through junket interviews and they found a throwaway line that said uh, Zack Snyder was thinking of casting Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor yeah. until he met with J- Jesse Eisenberg. And to me, I, I actually think his character works perfectly in there. I can't picture uh, Brian, like an older Lex Luthor, going to the point of creating a doomsday monster. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Brian Cranston could really pull it off. Every time that I see him, all I think of is Breaking Bad at this point. Or even before Breaking Bad, I always just thought he was the dad from Malcolm in, in the, the Middle. Well, I, it's like when I saw Godzilla, and he's basically playing a crazy. Well, he's just playing himself, yeah, and, and it, it's it just, didn't, he didn't connect. Yeah. He, for some reason, he doesn't connect in film as he does on TV. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen that the was, Dalton Trumbull one, but I heard, did hear he's really good Yeah, I've that. heard that's really yeah. good. Yeah. But uh, was he was in RoboCop, the remake, wasn't he? Or Total Recall? Which one Total was Total Recall. He plays the... And again, the, he, he, stuck out, like, yeah. he stuck out like Co-Hagen. a sore thumb. Cohagen. He plays Cohagen, yeah. some yeah. character in that. Well, a big part for me, too, is, I mean, in this that kind of element of this discussion, too, is it's just that... Like I think Victor hit the nail on it. I mean, there's a lot to juggle here in a lot of comic book movies. That's that's the issue. But for me, the biggest thing is is that I feel like a lot of people out there. It's just that it's not even a desire just to be contrarian. It's just it's like this. People just want to have so much knowledge above other people. I mean, and it it's kind of like you look at it and I'm like. I think you have to have some kind of imagination here. Like for me, I, I love I love Jesse Eisenberg as the Luther character because to me, I'm going. This is what Mark Zuckerberg would be like if there were no constraints <laughs> yeah. on what he could do. Like there was no way watching over him or luring. There's no legalities. If he moved to some, you know, one of these comic book, uh, you know, m- countries that just made up, yeah. you know, so they don't have to say a particular like name corto maltese yeah yeah it's like that's where he'd live and he would dine on like baby yeah he's and just, stuff a board, and just a bored billionaire a bored bi- yeah when, I, there was a great um reimagining of frankenstein years ago for an author i hate which is dean r Kuntz. <laughs> i just don't like dean r Kuntz at all yeah but he did a great reimagining and one i actually is, really like the mark the marcus the spell tv ver- that that's yeah. the dean arc yeah. Yeah. yeah is and it is a great uh with parker posey and yeah. stuff it's actually really well done but the biggest part is that they just did not get a harm as dark as it is in the book is uh dr frankenstein i mean he's been living for hundreds of years he is bored out of his mind and they show different things of what he enjoys eating what he enjoys doing huh. and it's because he's completely lost all sense of wonder and interest yeah. his whole life is based on going further because he's hit the limit and that's the luther character is that i mean you can just see that's the that's the mantle he's the mantle and the madness he's inherited so i thought he was great i mean i thought everybody did and i mean when she came out as wonder woman you know there's a part of me that just straight up cheered oh yeah i can't wait to see the movie kicked ass but the one thing that i was really i didn't know from the first couple trailers was the whole doomsday thing yeah until i saw it in the last one and i'm like there was a part of me, because I didn't have any spoilers, I didn't read any reviews, 
I really thought the last scene was going to be four dudes standing over Superman's yeah. grave. And I'm like, please don't let that happen. Because <laughs> Doomsday was the last major Superman story I ever read. Yeah. That was my height of my comic book fever, especially with the big two at the time. And I really thought that was the, where they might actually go for some reason. But I thought Doomsday looked great. I, you know, obviously finally reached a special effects level where yeah. you could show how big and brutal he was. Oh, yeah. I think I I had, I talked to a lot of people who like, why would they kill off Superman when they're putting the league together? And I'm thinking that's exactly why they would put the league together because now this godlike figure who's been protecting the earth is gone and we've introduced the concept of metahumans. Right. Batman's been given this vision of a dark future where, like, dark side and Superman, who who's enthralled, are going to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things, too. Like, if you read the article, I do. I found a clip of the audio that Flash is telling um, Batman during that vision, and I, which was it, so great, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. I was just like, "What is going on?" And it, it's see that I feel like that's. I remember when uh, The Dark Knight Rises came out, they had to redo Bane's dialogue because I remember going to the original preview and you couldn't understand half of what Bane was saying. I still couldn't. And that's what it sounded like. Um, So I had to like listen to this audio like 15 times till I got to the point where I understood exactly what Flash was telling him. And he's telling him, you know, Lois Lane is the key. Um, You you know, I came too soon. Uh, You were right about him. He's, you know, he's terrible. You have to find us, find us soon. And then I was like, oh, because I did not pick on that last part up at all the two times I saw it, you know. So you basically put Batman in that Nick Fury role where he has to put the Justice League together. And I feel like because they cut so much out of this movie um, and they were sort of in a hurry to get it out, they were like, oh, no, I feel like they must have – because Zack Snyder didn't have final cut on this movie. Oh. They sort of just like put this out. And then today they released something that could almost be considered a stinger scene mm-hmm. on the YouTube channel for Batman versus Superman. It's a minute and a half long scene, which happens during the montage right before Superman's funeral, where they're arresting Lex Luthor before he gets his head shaved. And he's in the afterbirth of Doomsday. And you see all these like stro- troopers going. You hear like this metallic voice going, Lex Luthor. And then they go in there. And you see, like, if you saw Man of Steel, they have like that 3D kind of modeling thing where, like, you know, they're communicating and it's just like those things you put your hand in and it leaves mm-hmm. an imprint. And he's talking to Steppenwolf, uh, Darkseid's head general. And he's balancing two mother boxes. And they cut the scene out of the movie. And I'm thinking, that seems really stupid to me. Because, A, if they left that in, it would have keyed in everybody that the vision that Batman had actually happened. And I think they realized after the fact, else they wouldn't have released it online like two days after the movie comes out. Yeah. And it it, it, it wouldn't have... Uh, it would, have, would not have interrupted the pace because... That was one of the things I felt like something was missing is his arrest. Because yeah. all of a sudden they just showed him in the shackles. Yeah. And they were shaving his head. And I was like, well, what? Usually you see like a scene where they 
Yeah. They get him, you know. And at that point, that's that's where he would have gone completely off the deep end. Yeah. And you watch that clip, and that's yeah, you're like all the way up to you know your nipples in afterbirth. Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. You know. Well, it also makes more sense because when Batman talks to Lex Luthor at when the that, end, yeah, and that too. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, he's coming. I'm like, well, who the hell is he? Yeah. You know. Because unless you read comics and you're seeing the scene of this nightmare scenario and connect the dots that Omega symbol and fire pits equal dark side. Right. Well, I even remem- if I didn't know any of yeah. that stuff. Well, I remember I needed- when I saw the Avengers and Thanos shows up, half the theater was like, who's this guy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, kind of the same. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the way it works with almost all of them now. And they, they want to play into that and stuff. It, you know, and it started all with X-Men and X-Men having such a huge universe was able to milk it constantly. Like, who yeah. is this? Who's going to be in it? Like, who's going to do what? And I mean, I don't know. In the end, the one thing people are saying, though, you just touched on it, was that this is rushed. They didn't they did this too quick and stuff. And I said, you know what? Yeah, in one respect. But at the same time. You can't do this forever. Like no. you can't keep milking it, trying to make it perfection, or or what the audience wants, or what comic book fans want, and that's the hardest part with every show, with every movie that comes out that has a comic property behind. Preacher's going to debut soon. Yeah, you, I can't even begin to imagine what kind of shitstorm it's going to be. But that that's one, an extremely dense comic book. That it, uh, half the half the shit in that comic book, if it makes it onto the screen i'll be amazed yeah but it's one of those ones where i feel like it's gonna have the watchman effect yeah where i i think amc is banking on this being like huge i'm like this is not gonna go over very no. well i mean i'm expecting catholic league protests before season <laughs> yeah. two clearly <laughs> yeah Will, william donahue of the catholic league i am sure has already issued a statement um as he is the ultimate uh uh matthew hopkins witch finder general um out of the modern world um but there really is like i think a lot of things you know and and amc has had some failures just like netflix has it's just that it's the idea that you can take a comic book you can make a movie and it's going to be a success or the show is and people go well it was just the fans that didn't like it or then you have like the analysts going well it was the common viewer that's not familiar with the source material and that's why it failed and and the fact is it's it's just it's going to work or it isn't you can say whatever factors there are or there aren't um it's just like it's the rules it's like this is the way it should be and it's like i remember when daredevil as you mentioned earlier the ben affleck 2003 version came out people like the kingpin is black and I I'm do like, remember that. And I'm like, why can't he be? Yeah. Why can't oh, Elektra isn't Asian? I'm like, she doesn't have to be. No one has to be I See, the anything. thing is, it, I, it ne- I never thought Elektra was Asian. It, well, her, she, it never comes across in her name, and I thought they did it right on the TV show, yeah. making her some kind of mixed nationality. Well, she is. She's a Sino-American yeah. in the comics, but it's just, it's one of those things where, I mean, like, I like that people are willing to rewrite things and make them into versions that are, it's like the you know, even with like I mentioned with the female Ghostbusters things people I'm like you have to stop being so narrow minded that you can't reinvent something I want every sacred cow slaughtered yeah and I'm vegan but I want <laughs> that I don't want any real ones but I want every sacred cow gone because it's it's one of those things where I mean I think that that's where we're gonna start because we have started to reach a serious a rut in imagination especially in comic book properties well i think so, i think one of the things we're seeing now is a lot of these adaptations are feeling free to kind of reinvent things even the walking dead which kirkman is the producer of he's kind of giving them free reign to change what they want 
we're at a point now of Game of Thrones where like the TV shows overtaking the books and they're kind of like, yeah, they're each going to go their own way. That way you can read the books if and you can watch the TV show and enjoy them as two separate things. And that's the right things. way to do it. Yeah. And it really is. And I mean, and then there's like a guy like George R. R. Martin who has his own assistant to keep chronology and everything correct. <laughs> he literally hired the webmaster of one of his fan sites, uh, his main fan site. He's like his personal to keep it all straight. Oh, and yeah. that's the thing. Some of these comic book worlds and, and novel worlds have just gotten so huge. And I said, and, but that was the whole point. That's how fan fiction came to be. Yeah. You know, in oh, magazines yeah. and then on the well, internet. Well, that's the thing. True. These storylines get like, I mean, I remember like one of the things I do on the site is like I maintain a lot of websites for people. One of my clients is a wrestler from ECW named Raven. And one of the things he was, he was impressed by it was the way I was able to keep his storyline consistent when I was doing these recaps over like 10 years because there's so many different ways that can go like you know and to me I was always impressed by the fact that there's a few of these wrestling characters who've had like one like consistent thread in their career that you could go back and see where it came from it doesn't seem like they just keep pushing the reset button like there's him and there's like the undertaker and a few mm-hmm. other characters along those lines um and I think especially with something like this storyline they're going down the path on in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice with the Fourth World Saga mm-hmm. and Dark Side and um, High Father. It's like it's this civil war in space that's based on the Old Testament. Like High Father is supposed to be God and Dark Side is the devil. It's like basically like Jack Kirby's like way of reconciling his Jewish faith when he had like a midlife crisis. It's a very, very dense and weird storyline. Right. You know, there's hit space hippies, the forever people who are the children of High Father. It's like it's 60s, early 70s. Like, so how they're going to make a lot of this work is really um, interesting, mm-hmm. but something has to be like done really carefully. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Well, it, you know, as, as the two of you are talking about, I was also thinking, like, when you think about density, I think of, uh, well, like what Kirby said earlier, like with the X-Men franchise. Mm-hmm. And with comic books back in, I would say, the mid-80s is when they they started maybe playing around with, well, what if we killed this major character or uh, did this or went down this path where we destroy this entire, you know, part of the earth or something. And then they said, well, why can't we have web of Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but not have them be uh, overlapping or part of, spider-man but part of this multiverse yeah and from what i gathered from that um from the dream and from uh the vision of the future and with flash when i first saw it as i was thinking of like all these multiverses so anything is fair game at this point well i think that's one of the things too like one of the early junkets they had asked um, Zack Snyder, like, oh, why isn't Grant Gustin from the TV Flash the Flash? Right. And he said, that's not the vision of Flash we were going for. We're deeply committed to the concept of the multiverse. And a lot of people, I think... Yeah, they can't it, wrap it their hadn't, head, it head hadn't really, that, The movie hadn't debuted and they're thinking, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, right. now, if you see, like, the Flash TV show, they've shown Flash running through the Speed Force 
and he his vision of the multiverse. You saw like Arrow in the future. You saw the Supergirl show from CBS mm-hmm. flash by, and it even showed the Flash from the '80s Flash TV show. Mm-hmm. So the multiverse, the easiest way to explain it, is basically DC's way of explaining the multiple cosmology of its universe. Right. If you want a world where the DC, where the Batman the animated series is the universe, that exists. If you want one where Christopher Reeve is Superman, that exists. Yeah. Just because uh, Christian Bale and Michael Keaton played Batman in different times doesn't negate the other. They both exist in their own universe. Right. And any character from any universe could visit that universe if they can harness well, the speed force or the source to get there. Yeah, see, and I like I like that idea. Yeah. At first, I was really not a, a fan of that until maybe like X Men First Class, and and they started you know playing around with you know kind of reinventing it, and then just completely just squashing it. Yeah. So I said, well, no, that stuff already exists. It's the same feeling that I have, and I've mentioned it before, is that when I see a remake, and let's just go back to what I said with like RoboCop and Total Recall, two of my most favorite Paul Verhoeven films of of all time. Well, just all pretty much all Paul Verhoeven films that I've seen, I've I've always loved. Mm-hmm. They still exist. Yeah. Just because they did the remake doesn't mean that I have to, like, piss on all the stuff that happened before. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. It's the classic William Shatner SNL. Get a life, you fucking nerds. Because it really is. (laughs) Grow up. Because because the whole idea is Put on your big boy pants. But that's the reason. that. But that's the source of everything, of the ideas of... When people go, well, you know, why does racism and sexism and fascism and homophobia and all these horrible things exist? I said, well, for for ignorance, but I said the biggest part about it is, is that people also need to have their own personal growth. Uh, but m- above all else is because people just want things their way. They want the world to go their way. world's never going to go your way. Life is not fair, mm-hmm. but life can still be good. It's kind of like when you're getting into the, the in this film – Batman vs Superman does touch on a lot of theological. Is yeah. Victor was talking about the montage with all the philosophers yeah, and theologians? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, exactly. It, it Who really, I thought did a, it seemed like he was just like making that up as he was going, yeah. but it was really interesting. Like talking about like you know, man, we feel like we found our place in this universe. We've evolved to this point, and he, here's this other, this alien who is instantly better than us. What does yeah. that say about us and our place in the universe? Which which also harkens back and kind of a, a, a reimagined uh, from uh, Neil's point of view of The Dark Knight Returns, where they, the, the uh, graphic novels, where mm-hmm. they did a lot of the news stories, like kind of peppered in and were, you know, talking to the theologians well, there's, and there's stuff. X-Men did that well. There's, I mentioned this, I know Victor's... Uh, I believe a fan as well, but I've always I really like the idea of Gotham Central, mm-hmm. which is the idea of all these cops going. This fucking guy, Batman, he just does everything. I mean, he's robbed us of our like, our dignity and our purpose and all this thing. Like, and he's he's not superhuman. He just has all these abilities and outlets and and weapons and and technology that we we could never afford because we're a taxpayer funded you know yeah. and it's like i like ideas like that i like the common man ideas as contrasted mm-hmm. but i really enjoy theological exploration because it, that's the root of you know for most people of all existence it's not about believing in a god or believing in a higher power it's it's the idea of course of why we're here and why do bad things happen because people go well it's karma or it's mm-hmm. it's this or it's that and i said well because there is no, it's a yin-yang. I said, there is no good without evil. Well, that's one and, of the things I thought was really interesting in the way they portrayed Lex Luthor in this movie. And they, like, 
for all the flack that I've, I've seen critics give like the screenplay, what they did was really smart is they sort of made Lex Luthor the embodiment of the person who was criticizing Man of Steel, like in some ways, you know, there's like, we've, you know, there's this being that's appeared and he doesn't take any accountability for his actions. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so, there's no way we can stop him. And what does that say well, about I, us as people? Yeah. And I have, I, it's, one of the podcasts that I listened to was, um, wasn't very favorable on the film, said that they didn't like Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex Luthor because it reminded them of an internet troll. Okay. That he was basically playing like an internet troll. Uh, I don't think I agree with that necessarily. Like kind of the, you know, the younger, kind of hipper, wearing the, the Banksy shirt. and I, th- I think what it is, maybe they're, they just... We're like seeing it on a very surface level thing, but you have oh, to. Oh, right. Cause he wants to almost, I mean, almost like kind of the Joker. He just wants, he's the bored billionaire that has nothing better to do than to, you know, shake the tree and see what falls yeah, out. Yeah. Well, what you realize, like, at least my point of view looking at this movie is like, clearly they've, they've gone the route of Lex Luthor is like the smartest person in the world, which is like a attack they've used in the comics very often. Like, he clearly knew that Batman was, was like, Bruce Wayne. He knew mm-hmm. that Superman was Clark yeah. Kent, you know, because he went in and researched these things because suddenly all the money and power he's accumulated doesn't mean anything right. towards this being that could stop him very easily and he would have no recourse. This is why he spends the bulk of like the beginning of the movie trying to get into a uh, position where he can uh, get kryptonite because he learns that this is something he can hold over uh Superman and try to get the remains of Zod and the ship so he could try to learn. Because the first thing he does when he gets that ship isn't try to find out how to destroy Superman. It's to find out everything about the different alien lives in the universe so that he can have as much or more knowledge than Superman. Yeah, but he says it too at his party, you know, hits on it in the gala that, um, you know, he kind of goes off in this kind of like mad kind of disjointed diatribe but what he's trying to say is you know who cares about knowledge without power who cares about money if you can't wield it as a weapon or as Mm -hmm. an olive branch because obviously he's doing this as like a patronage of the library or something yeah but that's the surface and that's what he sees in um holly hunter who plays like the senator character he basically because this the one part in my thing was i was like you can't just he's like trying to get an import license for the kryptonite and it's like uh, I'm pretty sure you can just get that on your Gulfstream five or whatever, <laughs> and and rocket it right over here. No well, one's going to notice. The, here's one of but the, no, no. But what I mean uh, by that is, but or where I was going with that, just to to quick finish that off, was just the idea though that he also, you know, it's it's like it's uh, a lot of people, you know, could be the supervillain, but they want to have it's that mask of sanity yeah. that they have. They're the public face. Like LexCorp is still everyone's friend and you know that kind of thing and that's why i think he goes that route oh yeah yeah because yeah. that's channels. the thing you realize uh the whole the whole storyline going on with the uh, terrorists that he supplies with experimental weapons it's because he's developing different metals and use for that so you realize he has to have government contracts so if people know as he's tipped on that he has this kryptonite which he has to let the government know to try to get access to all the kryptonian stuff if he, yeah, it's some, good faith. Yeah, it's a good faith. Yeah. If he somehow does something illegal, like tries to import that kryptonite into the United States, it would put all his like 
weapons contracts and government contracts at risk too yeah there's definitely that it's a little bit of everything and you know and it's but it is it's all just in the end and that's what i said they built the luther character to not be so um like a single mind supervillain. Yeah. So well, that I think would be the problem if you cast someone like Brian Cranston as Luther, because you know how's he going to play him if not sinister? Is he going to go like the Lex Luthor? Like, oh golly gee, I don't know. Like, I uh, I think uh, Kevin Spacey already covered. Yeah, that that's territory. what I mean. There, you can't really do outwardly sinister right from the get go because then it's kind of like okay, this is a little on the nose. And then if you're going to pl- – the only opposite of that is playing, like, kindly, like, oh, I would – like, mom on Futurama. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I think going with Jesse Eisenberg is kind of like the sort of hipster Zuckerberg kind of like, oh, I wouldn't be bad. Come on. I'm too busy having, you know, a uh, uh, hacky sack day with my employees in my office, you know, yeah. or playing the indoor basketball. Or Somehow the- it seems more less of a threat. Or the pseudo-sexual Jolly Rancher feeding. Yeah. <laughs> which also had some subtext there. Yeah. It was but but it was it it was enjoyable. Like, I mean, in the end, that's I mean, that's as we're kind of wrapping things up, that I mean I, I kind of feel like with Adam Feldman, definitely is the low expectations. I don't know if I'm gonna rush out and buy this, but eventually I think, you know, when they have a Justice League collection, mm-hmm. it's probably gonna end up on my shelf and I'm probably gonna watch it again. The other one I don't think any of us really touched on too much was, of course, there was some flack. Uh, Adam hit a little bit on Affleck being Batman. I, Actually, I mean, m- most of the stuff I read was saying that like Affleck like hit it out of the ballpark, and a lot of yeah, people were more. Well, no, I meant kind yeah. of the the birth movies yeah. death kind of thing. Where, where certain people are just, I think, going after. And Affleck is one of those guys. I'm like, I was really concerned about Affleck as Batman, to be yeah. honest with you. Go but on. But it's but it's one of those ones where I mean, I'm sorry after seeing Argo and Gone Girl and Gone Baby Gone. Both as he's a director as an actor now, mm-hmm. I feel like he has a a range now and an ability. And who he plays in this? I mean, he definitely plays Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne, like, yeah, right. and he plays Batman as Batman. But the one thing I will say, and I think it's going to kind of be my last thought, is I kind of wonder if they can do a montage at the end, like somebody's going to put a clip together on YouTube of how little dialogue Bruce Wayne has in this entire movie. No, and I, well, it's it's in comparison to what you kind of expect mm. there to be. Now, there's a lot of characters in the movie, and this is a long movie, but I felt Batman. They they did a really good balance of the characters without yeah. Batman dominating because Batman is DC's moneymaker. That's yeah. their franchise, and for them to give Superman room, Wonder Woman, everybody else space, and to make it balanced, I feel for me and that Affleck because a lot of people like they said they go I worried about him. he was just going to dominate the yeah. whole movie and dominate every scene and you know he was going to write in his contract he was going to change the script and I feel perfect balance for him yeah. So. What I'll say, I really liked about this movie a lot more than the Dark Knight trilogy is the fact that Batman, Bruce Wayne, actually does detective work and doesn't rely on Lucius Fox doing everything for him. Like, oh, that and Jeremy was, Irons, come on now. Yeah. He, was, he was great, too. He was really good. I, it's weird. They, they didn't have that many scenes together, but they had a lot of chemistry together. Yeah. And I liked the fact that you were you seeing... You felt like there was history between the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. I liked the fact that, like, okay, it's the two of them, and mm-hmm. then, like, Bruce Wayne Batman is actually going out and, like, doing things on his own to detective figure... Detective work. Actually, yeah, there's, you know, like... Detective a, comic yeah. work. And I was like, this is really good, because that's one of the things I always 
didn't care for in the Dark Knight films. That like basically, especially the Dark Knight Rises, where, where Lucius Fox basically says, "Oh, uh, a mind like yours, it's less like somehow he was stupid and just had money." And that always bothered me because yeah. you know Bruce Wayne is supposed to be like the best anyone can be if they put themselves into that kind of mindset. I will say one of the things that was kind of like a side thing that really bugged me, and I've ta- I talked to Ruby about this too. Martha? Um, no, because that made sense to me. They set that up. Is There's a scene after the Luther break-in uh, where, where he's having like the dream, and, the, the, and he goes to the grave, and it starts bleeding, and a bat comes out. Yes. He wakes up. And there's a chick in bed next to him. Correct. I do remember that. Yeah. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, this is clearly, like, this whole complex is, like, clearly, like, the bat cave, not, like, a penthouse where he goes to fuck chicks. Right. It just seemed really, like, you don't ever see him pick her up. You don't ever see, it's just some random, like, naked girl next to him. And it was really, like, I just... That just seemed really out of place. Well, and then they had that kind of sequence where you see the um, her informant, the military guy. I'm sorry, I totally forget his name. Uh, um, military guy. The guy that Lois Lane has on the inside. Oh, yeah, shows yeah, the, the guy bull- from the first movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry, I forget his name. But that kind of transition where you see Bruce Wayne going to the bathroom to, like, like shave, freshen up and all that. Yeah. And then you, it's actually her, her informant, the military guy. As she goes into the men's bathroom, uh-huh. and I was sitting there waiting for Bruce Wayne's girl or something to come in and be like, "Hey, you know, I had a great time." Like kind of the classic kind of thing, and it was like, "Okay, we're just gonna leave her there." I made is the dead <laughs> hooker. Like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's... it was really strange, and like it, it's just there's a. Few, I I'm pretty sure that might have been a thing that was cut out of the movie, but I just sort of. Hopefully, it's the deleted scene where like you see like. He branded her and stuff, and there's, like, the Batarang inside her. That's what I hope Well, for. no, the other thing I thought was interesting, too, I know we're trying to kind of wrap it up, but there's just a few things, like um, Scoot McNary's character in this movie, the uh, Wayne security guard whose legs are oh, yeah, crushed. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's played by the guy who was in Frank, the manager in Frank, who hangs himself. Oh, my gosh. Well, obviously, the you know, complete different yeah. character without all the long But he's hair, also in beard, Gone Girl. He's the... I didn't see Gone Girl. Oh, okay. But he's, so, but he's basically following Ben around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, <laughs> his character, I thought, was, like, really interesting, and it seemed like that was part of, like, Luther's thing. Like, he was going to set Superman up for this hearing and kind of have him labeled as a suicide bomber, right? Right. Before that happens, he tells his secretary, Mercy, who kind of knows everything that's going on in this movie, to go in there and hold a seat for him, and he leaves and lets that guy blow up and kill her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so really callous and fucked up. Yeah, because they they did focus on on his you know the his assistant yeah quite a bit yeah where it's like oh okay we're gonna kind of see you know what her play is within the arc yeah, of the movie she's, she's presented as kind of his right hand throughout the movie right and he just and they get a lot of reaction shots of her yeah all the way up to that point and then they just throw her out the window it was really strange like i i that's one of those decisions there that i was kind of like okay i 
don't know what that was. So about. there were there were those moments. There were also things like you know with the bat that that came out of the the uh, mausoleum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were like serious like jump scares in this. Yeah, I also by the way when it was his mother's the mausoleum thing, I thought that was the man bat for like two seconds. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we're gonna throw the man bat in here now. Wow, they really are yeah. going to cram it in. I like, was to, to me the biggest thing I was surprised by. It was the fact that the main Batman villain they chose to use in this was the KG Beast of all of them. It's like this really obscure early 90s, like... But, you know, it served its purpose. Yeah, exactly. You know? I was like, hey, I'd rather have that than have them, like, you know, waste, like, the Riddler or the Joker or something here. Because yeah, they, they didn't have to build up any more than what his purpose was in yeah. the film. If you And that was something I think was um, just kind of a... A cherry on top for, you know, the Uber geeks. Yeah. As opposed to yeah, making it like a <clears throat> you know, Mr. Freeze or oh, something. Oh yeah, or no, because he's like if you watch a uh, Batman uh you know, Assault on Arkham, I think it's this uh animated Batman movie that came out last year. Mm-hmm. It's basically a suicide squad movie in disguise. He's one of the suicide squad guys and he gets killed like in the first ten minutes. Which by the way, one last one on the uh because I had meant to mention it earlier, was the scene in the warehouse where he rec- re- uh, rescues Martha. Mm-hmm. That's full on Arkham Asylum. Oh, like, yeah. It is literally I, almost a dude, shot for I, I, shot. I even was like, they even do the slow-mo when yeah. he knocked out the last guy. I can't, I can't even say how much I love the fact that they finally went with the black and gray costume. Yeah, yeah. I watched gorgeous. Dark Knight Rises after I saw this movie, and I was like, man, I can't go back now. Yeah. Because it, it just looks so wrong now. Yeah. And I, I lo- it's like, you know, you saw all the stills and like, oh, he looks fat. Like, no, like it, he looks bulky. And it like the scene where um he's capturing the child molester at the beginning and he's up on the roof mm-hmm. and he just looks like spawn or it something. It was straight insidious looking. Yeah. Too. Like, yeah. It like you could great. totally see why that cop would like pull out a shotgun and try to kill him right now. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the only one, too, like I will say yeah. that... um. That I felt like Zack Snyder. That's the only one where I felt like he really repeated himself, like the Rorschach. Thing. Yeah, that was the Rorschach shot from Watchmen. Yeah, I yeah. do think they he overdid that one. Above all, but the the rest of the action stuff I felt was. What else did you expect to have it? Right. Well, also Doomsday. the you know the kitchen sink thing that he ends up doing. The Superman is the same thing that yeah, Rorschach does in true. Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of like the uh, when he got him up in space and. They have a dehydrated Superman. He looks like a Bizarro. Oh yeah, thing I thought was kind of cool. It's too. cool. That shot straight from Dark Knight Dark Returns Knight, yeah, when, yeah. like, yeah, he gets nuked, nuked. at Corto Maltese. Right. Yeah, yeah, that looked great. Which that was looked- important too, though, because that's when you realize he's going to regenerate. Yeah. You know, so that was yeah. At once least- the sun started coming over the horizon, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, it looked great. Yeah, so that I thought it was a good marriage of all those storylines, and like I, I'm really excited for Suicide Squad now because you know Batman's in that too. They just haven't really like um, advertised it, yeah, it well, much. They did at one point at the very they? beginning because they were afraid like the that very people first, like, wouldn't. Teaser trailer. Yeah, they were afraid people wouldn't go, it. and then ever since then they haven't mentioned Batman at all. Yeah. But I think now that they're more confident, you'll, you'll probably see him more. So, but before. Batman v Superman. The trailers that I I really like the Suicide Squad trailer even more than I have seen it just on you know my computer screen or yeah. whatever. Uh, very excited about that. Looks like a lot of fun. And then uh, well, going back, you said Ghostbusters. I actually like seeing it like yeah. big and up and and that you know it was in three D. 
that the scene at the beginning that they show on the trailer with the the puking, mm-hmm. the ghost that pukes. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Yeah. It, it's a it much better like right trailer. After. I hadn't yeah. seen that one. Yeah, I saw the trailer for the Lego Batman movie, and I think I just I need that now. I need that now. <laughs> I'm psyched on that one. Yeah. The uh, the other thing too was is that I will say the Suicide Squad trailer. Ever since every time I see it theatrically, it's kind of like the Deadpool one. I'm like, I think you have just a guaranteed hit. Like, oh yeah. I think it's just gonna be people huge. were cheering, were cheering che- and laughing, laughing during that trailer. Yeah. And to me, it's the more understated stuff in that trailer that gets me. Like when Joel Kinnaman, who plays Rick Flag, he's reading their dossier sheet, and he's like. Uh, this one's an alligator, eats <laughs> yeah, people, right yeah. shakes a witch, possesses yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. She's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, I I'm not looking forward to any more Harley Quinn cosplay, yeah. but I'm excited about yeah. Suicide Squad, yeah. and I don't want to see any emaciated meth addicts doing the Jared Leto yeah. Joker. <laughs> I really don't. No, you stay in AJ, please. <laughs> please i don't know i do think i'm more excited now to see suicide squad because of the stuff they don't explain in this movie like the fact that i mean i i thought i think it's weird this is one of the things i haven't seen anybody really talk about the fact that wayne manor is like a bombed out husk i want to know what happened there they never explain it i'm like okay i want to know it looks like the house in the texas chainsaw remake the nispel one yeah and i also want to know about uh uh robin's suit yeah, which is full of a, bullet holes yeah. and it has Joker Joker's, graffiti, um, graffiti all over it. it. Yeah, yeah, that would, yeah. Because like they said, wouldn't put that in there just for the sake of just oh no, throwing no. that in there. I will say that, but I'm just glad they're not so far doing it like the whole MCU. This is gonna be Phase Four. Oh yeah, and then we're gonna do Phase Eight. So I'm actually starting to go back onto Team DC right now. And, um, I mean, this is a company, like Victor said, the multiverse thing. I also thought of the new 52. Yeah. I mean, DC has really reinvented itself a lot of times. So, you know, this may be, you know, it, it, people were counting them out. And I said, eh, this may end up being. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still excited about, um, you know, Civil War. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I was more excited about this movie. Like, this is probably my Force Awakens, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I, I'm really excited for Suicide Squad. That's the next thing on my horizon right cool. now. Let's wrap it up. Definitely. Yeah, so there's there you go. Our spoiler-filled take on Batman v Superman, which we all pretty much agreed is a pretty good movie. You know, I, again, much better than Avengers it, 2. It doesn't deserve the the backlash that's yeah. getting. I really don't. Avengers 2 no, had to do the movie, same thing and did it badly. You know? I, I love how that's actually been the thing. It's like, did everyone forget Age of Ultron yeah. when watching yeah, no, this? I, it's like, I don't even own Age of Ultron. I think I would buy Batman v Superman before I would own Yeah, it. There you go, folks. That's the sales Ultron. pitch right there. <laughs> So, basically, yeah, that's our take on it. Um, and until next time, I'm, you know, we're excited. Check out cultfollowing.ca. Yeah, we're excited to talk movies with you guys. Check out cultfollowing.co. We've been posting tons of reviews. We've got lots of very niche genre cult horror and fun Blu-rays that we're going to be reviewing soon. Uh, should have a review of Midnight Special uh, later this week. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you if you if you're going to the uh, one of the screenings. Yeah, right? tomorrow. Cool, tomorrow. So yeah, I'm should... anxious to hear about that. Yeah, I think there's a there's a link on there too for like passes to that too somewhere. Cool. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, check us out at cultfalling.co. Like I said, check out Cult Classics AZ. We've got like three different screenings going on next month. 
Uh, I'm going to be out of town this weekend at Days of the Dead in LA. If you're going out there, say hi. And uh, also Monster Palooza later this month. So Busy, busy. Lots of stuff going on. And you can always get tickets for our events at Z Records. And uh, you guys got anything else you want to say, plug, anything? Meow. Meow. So until next time, I am Victor Marino <laughs> along with Adam Mikowski. Uh, I already did my meow. Meow. Kirby Nelson. So, until next time, do you bleed? You will.